Bless God, Lord, in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we do come before you this blessed day, such a special day. We think about the resurrection, which is the cornerstone of our faith. May you use this time, time in your word, that you would use it to wash over us, use it to encourage us, we can use it to grow, help us to grow in your grace and knowledge. We thank you for rising from the dead and giving us hope, new life in you, Christ. May you seal to our hearts even now. Words, may you, Holy Spirit, move me out of the way and you work even now to bring forth the oracles of truth from you, the living God, the true and living God. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. One more time, I have to say it. He is risen. I don't believe you all believe that. He is risen. That is much better. Yes, he is. He is risen indeed. The resurrection of Christ is no doubt central to what it means to be a true believer. Everything about our Christian faith hinges on the Lord's resurrection. All that we are and hope to be in the future is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, it is so important and essential to our faith that there would be no Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Buddha is dead. Confucius is dead. Harry Krishner is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. Amen? The theme of the resurrection is so critical to our faith is that we find this all throughout scripture. Job says in Job 19, Verses 25 through 26. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last day, he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh, I shall see God. The psalmist says in Psalm 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. The prophet Daniel talks about it in Daniel 12, too, where he says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. In the Hall of Faith, in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, speaking of Isaac, it says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac 
your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. The apostles preached on the resurrection in the book of Acts, where we read in Acts 4.4, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And in Acts 24.15, which says, I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust, and the unjust. And after Lazarus had died in John eleven twenty three to 27, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. One of the verses that I will often sign after my name is Philippians 3.10, where Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3 to 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. One of my favorite passages on the resurrection is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In verses 12 through 20, here Paul writes, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise. If in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men 
most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. So if there is no resurrection, beloved, I can just close my Bible and that's it. I can just, that's the end of the story. But we know that's not the end of the story. He did rise. Did he not? Yes, he did. So we come to the gospel writers, and they, like many others of Jesus' followers, did not really believe that Jesus would rise from the dead. But once they finally came to grips with this wonderful truth, they could hardly talk about anything else but the resurrection. So we come to the gospel of Matthew, and here we see Matthew's viewpoint of the resurrection. Now let's turn to our passage for today in Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And we're going to walk through this quickly. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. So let's walk through this passage. In verse 1, he says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. So lots of time had passed since the Sabbath ended. To be exact, this would have been from sundown the previous evening when the Sabbath ended, which would have been around 6 o'clock p.m. until it began to dawn the next day, which would have been Sunday, which is the first day of the week. Altogether, this would have been around 10 hours. In John's account, in John 20 and verse 1, John says that when the women came, it was still dark. Don't you like to get up on Resurrection Day when it's still dark? And just imagine that. What you must understand is that the Jews did not have names for the days of the week, like we have Monday and Tuesday and so on. They made reference to, reference to days of the week by centering the days around the Sabbath. Sabbath means seventh. And the Sabbath was at the end of the week, so they were referred to days as the first day after the Sabbath, the second day after the Sabbath, and so on. So I know oftentimes people wonder how it was that Jesus was in the grave for three days if he was put in the grave on a Friday. Well, let me help you with that. In the Jewish mind, 
a part of a day was a day. Just like you may say, I went on a trip for three days. Were you there the full three days, 24-hour days? No. Part of a day counted as a day. So Sunday would have been the third day of Jesus' burial because he spent part of that day in the grave. Jesus has said it over and over that Sunday would be the day of his resurrection. We see that in Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 17, 23, Matthew 27, 64, Mark 10, 34, and Luke 18, 33. The little phrase, after the Sabbath, could also refer to the new day of rest for God's people. We, know, we all know that after God finished creating everything on the earth, that he did what? He rested. And so the Israelites also set aside a day of rest on the Sabbath. This was a day to be a day of rest and worship for Israel. The day before Jesus rose from the grave was the last Sabbath the Israelites would have. Because on the very next day, which was Sunday, the Lord's day, was truly the dawning of a new day and brought in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. That is why we worship on this day. The Lord's day. I know some people have Saturday service and whatever you may believe about that. But this is the day that has been set aside. The Lord's day. It was truly the dawning of a new day and brought in the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Now that we have all of that settled in our mind, let's go back to the scene at hand. Here we find Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. They have witnessed Joseph and Nicodemus wrapping the body in linen cloths with, I heard one of our children say, pounds of spices. <laughs> Not a little bit. Pounds of spices. So they brought their own spices in order to anoint Jesus' body. Mark and Matthew tell us that Sol Salome was also there. Luke tells us that Joanna was there also. The other Mary was James and Joseph's mother and Clopas's wife. The important thing is that they were expecting to see Jesus' body there. And that is why Matthew says they came to do what? What did they come to do? They came to look at the grave. They were not expecting Jesus to be there. They came to look at the grave. These were the same women who had ministered to Jesus in Galilee and had stood with him at the cross. Mark 16.3 tells us they came to the tomb, hoping that someone could roll the stone away. In whatever way they could, they just wanted to minister one more time to Jesus. What you have to understand is that they had a great love and a deep affection for Jesus, even when they thought he was dead. Friends, 
Do you have a deep love and affection for the Lord? He is alive. He is alive. The Jews did not embalm and believe that the spirit of a dead person left the body four days after they had died because they knew that by this time decay had set in and believed that the body had become so marred by decay that the spirit could no longer recognize it where they got this and they believed that the spirit could no longer recognize the body. Where they got this from, I don't know. It's not true. They knew that Jesus had been in the grave for three days, which was close to four days. And we know that this was their view because Martha said to the Lord about her brother Lazarus, where she says in John eleven thirty nine, and I like the King James Version that says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he had been dead for four days. So I guess in their minds, they were coming to anoint the body of Jesus one more time before his spirit left. Although they thought he was still dead, they had such love and compassion for him. In verses 2 to 7, it says, And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone, came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, he is risen. He has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So right after the women made it to the tomb, they experienced a severe earthquake. We know that there had already been an earthquake when? When he died. Thank you. Matthew tells us how this earthquake occurred. It happened once the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. That's when the earthquake came. The earthquake shook the ground and all around the grave and it shook fiercely. So the angel came to open the grave that had once been secured and sealed and rolled away the stone and sat on it. What you must understand is that it probably took quite a few strong men to put the stone in front of the tomb. And the angel removed it instantly. That tells you his supernatural power. Listen, beloved, and don't miss this. Despite what you may have seen in pictures, the angel did not move the stone to let Jesus out of the tomb. Friends, if Jesus had the power to raise himself from the dead, which he did, he surely had the power to get himself out of a sealed grave. John tells us in John 10, 17 through 18, where he says, for this reason, 
The Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. What you must understand is that the resurrection of Jesus was in is that after the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus was in his glorified body and was able to go in and out of rooms without going through the door. So surely he could get out of the tomb. As someone has well said, the angel did not move the stone to let Jesus out, but rolled away the stone to let the women in. Now back to the angel. He made himself known to whoever was near the tomb. His appearance was like lightning. We've seen a lot of that here recently, haven't we? <laughs> and this speaks of the Shekinah glory of God and his garment that was as white as snow. It speaks of God's purity and holiness and shows that he was a messenger of the true and living God. The guards were so shocked by the angel that they shook for fear of him. And after shaking a while, they became something like a dead man and was paralyzed with fear. You think? The soldiers also had other reasons to be afraid. They were given the task of protecting the grave. And if the body was found to be missing, this could very well mean that their lives were at stake and they could be killed. The women may have been just as afraid, but they received the words of comfort from the angel because the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. And since they had come with spices to anoint Jesus' body, they surely did not expect to hear what they heard from the angel, which was, I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. And this is the heart of his message where he says, he is not here, for he has risen just as he said. So it's not so much about what the angel came to do as much as it is about what he said. What you may or may not know is that all three members of the Trinity were involved in Jesus' resurrection. Romans 6, 4, Galatians 1, 1, and 1 Peter 1, 3 tells us that Jesus was raised by the power of the Father. As mentioned before, Jesus himself had the power to give up his life and to take it up again in John 10, 1. And in Romans 8, 11, talks about how Jesus was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. The angel just wanted to give a gentle reminder to the women about the fact that Jesus had talked about his resurrection before, so he added the phrase, just as he what? Said. He said it. He had already said it. 
The angel not only tells them that Jesus has risen, but it, he takes it a step further and shows them that he has risen and says to the women, not only is he telling them, but he says, what? Come. Come. See the place where he was lying. So the women go into the tomb and see for themselves that Jesus had risen from the dead. You think it was enough to have one angel to make you afraid. What about two? John 20, 12 tells us that one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. Luke gives this account of the angels in Luke 24, 5 through 7, which says, I love this. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? They asked. He is not here. But he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? One of the angels then said, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Mark's version says in Mark 16, 8, they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Get this, they were afraid, yet they were running as fast as they could to tell this news that Jesus had risen from the dead. From John's gospel in John 20 and verse 1, it appears that Mary Magdalene left the garden as soon as she saw the stone had already been taken away from the tomb. This would have been before the angel came with his announcement about Jesus' resurrection. In John 20, verse 2, it says, She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. She evidently did not hear the angel's announcement about Jesus' resurrection. She was obviously so overtaken by the fact that the tomb was empty that she ran to tell Peter and John. It never really occurred to her that Jesus had risen from the dead. When Peter and John came to the tomb a little while later, it, ver it says in verses 6-7 of John 20, And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb. And he saw the linen wrapping lying there in the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Jesus' burial clothes were just as they were when Jesus and Nicodemus laid his body to rest, except for his face cloth, which was set to one side. And you know, in People said, well, someone came to steal his body. If anybody ever comes to steal anything, do they leave it neat? Do they leave it orderly? Do they leave it in place? No, it's chaotic. It's everywhere. So nobody stole his body away. 
Jesus did not have to have his body unwrapped to get out of the grave clothes, just as he did not have to have the stone removed to get out of the tomb. Lastly, the angels told the women to tell Jesus' disciples that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. This is where Jesus would appear to the disciples. The women had experienced great fear, and now they had great joy. For verse 8 of Matthew 28 says, And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And ran to report it to his disciples. What was their joy about? Their joy was in learning the great and good news of Jesus' resurrection. So at the first, the women were afraid. Then their fear turned to joy. And they worshipped. In verse 9 of Matthew 28, it says, And behold, Jesus met them, and they greeted them. The word greeted here was the word rejoice. And it was a very common greeting. It's very much like our hello. How are you? They would say rejoice. Rejoice. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Such a kind act of worship and adoration. So the women had gone from fear to joy to worship. And now we see the words of hope from Jesus in verse 10. It says, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. Jesus was again repeating what the angel had told them before. Do not be afraid. And although the disciples had been cowards, Jesus still called them brethren. You get that? Brethren. Such love and long-suffering. So, question. Why did Jesus reveal himself first to the women and not to his disciples? Someone has said because God chooses the weak to confound the strong. Someone else has said they were rewarded for their faithful service to the Lord in Galilee. The Bible does not make any such comments in those regards. Come up close and personal and let me tell you why. You know why? You're listening. Because they were there. They were there. That's why. Nothing deep, nothing profound. They were there. If the disciples would have been there, they would have also heard the words directly from the angel. Sometimes you simply have to be there. It is the same way for those who stay close to the Lord. He or she will know the Lord's power. So those who gather and come for corporate worship, you were here. You heard, you know, you experienced. Those who are not, they can't. They were not here. So 
when the word is being taught, you're to be here to hear firsthand the word of the living God. So, what do we learn from this passage about the resurrection? It tells us that God's word is totally true. And Jesus rose just as he what? Said. The resurrection lets us know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the son of God just as he said he is and that he has power over life and death. The resurrection shows that salvation is complete and that on the cross, Jesus Christ conquered sin, death, and hell and rose victorious. The resurrection confirms the fact that Jesus is the one who has built his church. And his resurrection shows that death itself could not stop him from building his church. Beloved, the resurrection shows that judgment is coming. It's coming, my dear friends. You may think, oh, well, judgment will never come. Just as sure as I am standing here, judgment will come. Vengeance is the Lord's, and he will repay. In John 5.22, Jesus declared that the Heavenly Father has given all judgment to the Son. Lastly, the resurrection shows that heaven is awaiting because Jesus said in John 14.2, In my house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. Because Jesus rose from the dead and is alive, we have the assurance that he is now preparing a place in heaven for us who believe. And you may be here today for the very first time. Someone may have invited you. I'm not sure. And you may say, believe what? You have to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. So one has to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The Bible says that not tomorrow not the next day, not the next day, but now is the day of salvation. The fact of the matter is that one day, as Paul says in Philippians 2.10, that either willingly or unwillingly, so that at the name of Jesus, how many knees are going to bow? Every. Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and in earth and on earth 
and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is whom? Lord. He is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, he is Lord. Let's pray. And Father, we come to you even now with hearts full of thanksgiving, hearts full of joy, and we think much of what the angels spoke to the women and how they were afraid, but their fear quickly turned to joy and to worship, and they were there to hear the message that the angel gave. Help us, Lord, to be where you would have us to be to be able to hear your word, to be able to receive from you. And we declare, Lord, that even this day, you are Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord, and you have risen today. So we come with great, great anticipation and reverence as we come before your throne, even this day, again, afresh and anew. Bless the rest of our resurrection day with family, with friends, with loved ones. May we exalt you in all that we honor and think of this day. You have risen, you have risen indeed. And it's in your blessed name that we pray, Jesus.